Today, I want to talk to you um, about how to, how to build something solid. And uh, Steve, can you think of anyone more qualified than, than me to give building instructions? Um, in Vicki and I's first place as a young married couple, we had a condo, sort of a row house condo in Edmonton. And I wanted to replace the old sort of dated carpet with laminate flooring. And I got it at Ikea, actually, and, and got what I thought was the right underlay. You know where this is going, probably. My, my friend is helping me. And, and when I say my friend is helping me, he's doing 90% of the work and I'm you know, bringing him lemonade every now and then. And uh, he's like, I don't think this is the right underlay. It seems way too thick. And I'm like, trust me, okay, this, this goes with this laminate. And our floor looked beautiful, uh, a dark wood, and it was, it was nice to know that uh, after a hard day's work, you could come home and have a soft place to land because that's exactly what the floor was like. It was kind of like a wrestling mat meets a jumpy house. And people would come in and go, oh, this is disorienting. And it wasn't too long, you can imagine, before cracks start to appear in the seams of the flooring. Uh, it was built on a bad foundation, and it wasn't even that, that wasn't even the real foundation. I mean, some of you know what it is like to live in some fixer-uppers, yes? Yeah, some of your floors seem suspiciously at an angle, and anything with wheels on them sort of ends up in one corner of the room, and you start having contractors explain to you what mud jacking is and how much that costs. Listen to these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So these words conclude the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus does it with this poignant story about two people, and these two men raise the important question, what kind of foundation are we building on? What kind of foundation are you building on? And Jesus wants to kind of compare and contrast these two stories, which will hopefully lead us to a conclusion. So, just quickly comparing these two stories, what was alike or similar about these men is that both men had the same vision. They both wanted to build a house. Their dreams were the same. Their longings were the same. I think it's kind of obvious in this parable. It's more than building a house. They're building a home. They're building a life, a family, a future. Uh, they are all of us trying to build a life worth living. You know, in, 
in 48 hours, uh, Vicki and I are going to celebrate 25 years of marriage, if you can believe it. No, guys, no. No. Please. Um, silver anniversary. Can you believe it? I mean, we had to get permission from our parents. We were so young. Uh, that's, why, that's why we look so youthful today. I shouldn't even joke about that in this day and age. Okay. And when I say we'll be celebrating in 48 hours, I mean I'll be uh, at a staff meeting and Vicky will be teaching piano at the piano studio. But what I mean is we have been for 25 years um, trying to build a life, a marriage, a family, a faith, something bigger than just sort of marking our calendars every year. We've gotten a lot wrong. Um, Mistakes have been made. I hope we're getting better as we go because you want what Vicki and I want. You want a life that you can be proud of, hopefully that God is proud of, one that uh, when you look back, you'll be able to say, I, I had as few regrets as possible. So this parable that Jesus tells is really a timeless story. Uh, all of us fit into this brief story because These longings are human longings. Now, here's something I noticed this week. Not only did both men have the same vision, the same desires, they both went to the same seminary, okay? They both went to the same church. They're both reading the same Bible because it says both men heard these words of mine, heard the words of Jesus. Both men were taught by none other than Professor Jesus himself. And we're not talking about sort of one man who got to hear the truth and one who had the misfortune of not getting to hear it. It says that both men were instructed in the ways of Jesus, the way I hope that you are being instructed here at NAC in the ways of Jesus. So the comparison between these two men is that they have the same vision, they have the same instructor teaching them divine truth. And as long as we're comparing, uh, it turns out both these men lived in the same neighborhood. Okay. They lived in the same neighborhood because they both were affected by the same storm. Now that same neighborhood could mean the state of Florida where the whole, the whole state gets a hurricane. That same neighborhood for you could mean being raised in the same family where all the siblings had the same alcoholic, abusive dad. Uh, We learned this year that the same neighborhood could actually mean a global pandemic where everyone on the whole face of the planet is facing the storm together. Uh, but the description of the storm is, is precisely the same in both cases, and it affected both men equally. Everybody in this room and everyone watching online is affected by a storm, okay? Everybody here is affected by the negative realities of a broken and sinful world. And it may not be exactly the same, but one thing's for certain, we all get rained on. All y'all get rained on. Life is not always sunshine. Life is not always exciting. Life has tears. 
And I think we all share the same vision that we want to build a good life. We all have access to the same words of Jesus. And we all got to face some storms. We all got to face something. And so those comparisons in the story are also kind of paralleled by some contrasts, some things that made these men different from one another. First of all, these men possessed two different characters. Okay, Jesus calls the first man wise. He calls the second man a fool. And it's interesting how I have known educated Mensa level IQ people, well-read, who are fools. The, the, word, the word moron comes from the Greek word for fool, but we think of a moron as sort of like intellectually deficient. But when the Bible uses the word fool, there's something else going on here, okay? It's a character issue. Same as the wise person. They may not be actually a sort of a straight A valedictorian. It's, it's actually something deeper. Someone very dear to me never graduated high school. And I, I think they feel of a measure of shame about that. Yet they are one of the wisest people I know because their wisdom comes from a different source. Wisdom in scripture is the ability to take divine truth and apply it, okay? The fool in scripture is not necessarily the person who lacks information. It's the person who does little or nothing with the information they have. The book of Proverbs is full of examples of the one who hears but does not respond. So these these two men are fundamentally different. They both had dreams. They both had training. They both had storms. And on the outside, they may have looked like twins. But in this description given by Jesus, it says that they were fundamentally different people. And, and here's the contrast that's demonstrated, the, the, funda- the, the fundamental difference between these two men, because it's all about foundations. It says that the wise man built his house upon the rock. And it says that the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And they had so much in common, but they didn't have the same foundation. This is important. What's the difference between building on a foundation of rock and building on a foundation of sand? Well, in Luke, there's another telling of this same story. But in the, in the Luke telling of this story, it adds just a couple tidbits that I found interesting. It says in Luke 6.48 that the wise man dug deep. Uh, you know you gotta, you gotta dig deep to hit rock, to hit a firm foundation. It costs to build on rock. It, you can build on sand fairly cheaply, but to build on rock is hard work. To build on sand takes little time. It it costs time and energy and effort and additional funds if you're going to go deep. You can be quick about it on sand, but you can't go too fast if you're going to build on rock. Could it be that the second man, the foolish man, was building a house for show? 
because aesthetically, I think these two houses may have looked identical, you know, to the naked eye, you may not have noticed one difference uh, between them. You need a guy like Steve to get his flashlight and, and go in the crawl space and check, check the foundation. The man building his house on the rock was building a house to last. It wasn't just for show. You know, the second man maybe just wanted it up quick and cheaply and looking good. Um, Maybe, in fact, it was a show home for others to admire. In 1174, there was an Italian architect, Bonero Pisano, and he began work on what would become his most famous project, a bell tower for the cathedral of the city of Pisa. You know where this is going, don't you? The tower was supposed to be eight stories, 185 feet tall. There's just a little problem. Uh, Builders quickly discovered that the soil was a lot softer than they anticipated. And the foundation was far too shallow to, to adequately secure the structure. And sure enough, before the whole structure had begun to tilt, and it continued to tilt, until finally the architect and the builders realized that nothing could be done. Uh, to make the leaning tower of Pisa straight again. It took 176 years to build the tower of Pisa. And during that time, many things were done to try to compensate for the tilt. Even the upper levels were built at an angle to try to make the top of the tower look straight. Nothing worked. It leans 18 feet away from where it should. And one day, experts say it, it will fall. And all because it wasn't built on the right foundation. The only thing the Leaning Tower of Pisa is good for is tourists. All it is is for show, for people to come by and look at it. A life, a home, a church that is not built on the right foundation is a tourist attraction. It it ain't built to last But the biggest contrast of them all between these two men is the results. Because it says in the story that one stood and another house fell. In fact, it it not only just fell, it says it fell with a great crash, a total collapse. What does the Lord want us to learn? What's his point in all of this? You have to notice something in the text. If, if you were to drive by both men's homes, I don't think you'd see a difference. If you were to talk to the men, you might not know there was a fundamental difference. The only time you would discover there was a difference between these two men and their lives, their homes, their ministries, was that they built, was what happened to the building during the storm. Um, It's the storm that will reveal the nature of the foundation. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, well, a crisis builds character. And sometimes that's true. I, I hope that has been true for us. But what I know is definitely true all the time is that a crisis reveals character. And sometimes what it reveals ain't that pretty. Um, as long as the sun is shining, you won't think about what you're built on. 
And you may not care what you're built on, but the storm has a way of letting you know what kind of foundation you're really on. I I wish the Christian life was really like the way some prosperity evangelists declare it to be. You know, come to Jesus. It's all sunshine. Come to Jesus. You know, the keys are waiting for your new BMW. Come to Jesus. He's got a nice house in the suburbs for you. He's, He's here to heal every one of your diseases. And you can build a great show house with that kind of preaching. But according to this text, there was a hurricane. Nature was unleashed. It's why Canada might be such a hard place to build mature Christians because we got it pretty good often. The storms are rarer here. And it might just be teaching us to build on the wrong foundation. You have to understand something about foundations. Listen to me again, giving, giving building advice, irony here. But you can't pour them while it's raining, okay? You can pour a foundation just before it rains. You can pour a foundation after it rains. But, but what you can't do is pour a foundation while it's raining, okay? Whatever foundation you're going to have, you need to get it solidified before the storm. So when the storm comes, you're not in crisis. I, I, don't you love that story in Mark 4 where, where Jesus tells the disciples, let's go over to the other side. And so they get in a boat. And what does Jesus do after a long day of ministry? He goes to sleep. But the storm comes and the boat is filling up with water because they ran into uh, a, a gale force wind. And what good is having a God on your boat when, when you need him most, he's sleeping. Uh, and so they say in this passage, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you, f- don't you sometimes feel that way in your storm? Like, God, where are you? Are you, are you sleeping? Don't you care? Why are you being quiet right now? So Jesus gets up and he asks to me what sounds like a very insensitive question. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so easily ruffled? Another translation says, don't you have any faith? Uh, hey, Jesus, we're, we're getting ready to drown here. Um, that's why we're so easily ruffled. What kind of question is that? And Jesus comes to the front of the ship and he says, peace, be still. Storms have a way of making you forget what the Lord has said. Storms have a way of of causing you to forget the truth of God. Storms have a way of keeping you from applying in the storm what you learned in the sunshine, right? Their problem was not hearing the truth. They had heard Jesus say, let's go to the other side. Their problem was applying the truth in this bad situation. And I like how the story ends. You know, after Jesus quieted the storm, he says, uh, it says in the passage that the disciples became very much afraid, terrified. They were scared of the storm, but then they saw the Lord. And that's when they had a holy fear. What, what manner of man is this? 
You're in the presence of God, son. Why does God allow you to go through a storm? I think he does because it lets you know what kind of foundation you are on. Uh, It's in the hurricane that you'll discover whether you're really resting on the truth of God or whether you're merely listening to it. There's a lot of difference between saying amen on Sunday morning and saying amen on Monday in the storm. There's a lot of difference in worshiping God when all is well and worshiping God when all is wrong. You know, there's a big difference between praising God on the mountain versus praising God when the mountain's in the way, right? But if your foundation is sure, then it will be the application, not merely the information of divine truth that is going to hold you steady. In other words, every time you have a hurricane, a storm, God has given you a new opportunity to demonstrate that you are resting on a sure foundation. I I read this story from a pastor and I thought it was very telling. A couple years ago, he and his wife took an Alaskan cruise, something I don't think uh, my good lady wife will ever do with me. Cruises, unfortunately, contain everything she despises, all wrapped in a boat. And so... On their way home from this cruise, um, a storm broke out. And this was apparently the worst storm Caribbean cruises had ever had. The waves were 50 feet high. And plates were flying. And pianos were rolling. And people were throwing up. It It was a messy situation. People were freaking out. And so this pastor's wife, let's call her an extrovert, Uh, became royally ticked with Royal Caribbean. And she picked up the phone and actually said, may I speak to the captain, please? And they said, "Uh, ma'am, captain's on the bridge. He can't talk to anybody right now in light of the storm. She said, well, will you please tell him I am very upset that he would put us through this when he could have avoided it. He knew it was coming. And I just want to register that I am thoroughly upset about this. And they said, I will relay that to the captain. Well, wouldn't you know, a few minutes later, the phone rang and it was the assistant to the captain. And he said, ma'am, I want you to know that, that we received your message. It was relayed to the captain. And he asked me to call you and relay two things to you. Uh, first of all, uh, lady, go to sleep because the captain is going to stay up and there's no need for both of you staying awake. And the second thing he wants you to know is that this ship was built with this storm in mind. Long before we ever hit this storm, we knew there would be a day like this day that was going to come. And we knew there was going to be a day when we would face nature at its most vicious. So way back when we were putting this boat together, we contemplated this moment and this boat was structured in such a way that whenever the day came where a storm like this would come, even though it would be inconvenient and it would be irritating and aggravating and maybe even a bit stomach churning, maybe even a little traumatic to go through. What you need to know is all of that was considered 
when it was constructed. So, ma'am, you need to know that while this storm is bad, the boat is better. I, I don't know what storms that you are going through, what hurricanes, what tornadoes. You're either just maybe coming out of one, you're about to go into one. Um, if, you're, if you're feeling like, I haven't had any storms for a while, I, I assure you one's right around the corner. COVID has been that storm for many of us. And you need to know that this Savior that we serve was built with this storm in mind. He is your foundation. The truth of God applied in the realities of our life. Foundations are not merely the information. Uh, The word of God is not simply to have a Bible under your arm or on your coffee table. It is to have the truth of God as the the modus operandi for decision-making. What differentiated these two men? Both heard, but only one did. I, I wish I could tell you that hearing God's word uh, would, would mean no storms. But that's a lie. Uh, in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. You'll find out when all hell breaks loose in your life, when the storms come, when you're, when you're going to need your house to stand, your marriage to stand, your parenting to stand, your private world to stand, and it is only the one built on the rock, on the, on the words and wisdom and the teaching and the truth of Jesus. That's the life that will stand in the midst of any storm. I wanted us to take some time today to, to respond to the last words of Jesus in this sermon to respond in worship and declare that as for our church as for me and my house we will build our life upon a sure foundation amen just be seated for one sec before we go I a couple open mics came in good morning Bicehausen family here want to check in and share that Jacob is doing great and we love our little family looking forward to joining Mac in person for services and having Jakey join the tiny treasures group yay it's exciting in 1997 Scott and my eldest daughter was hit by a car and died is that you no? Your youngest daughter. Eldest daughter. Okay, sorry. Scott and Mai's eldest daughter. I didn't know Scott. I'm, I did not know. She was 21. God was and is our rock and foundation. I realize when tragedy happens, you either run from God or to him. We consciously ran to God. And we do that every day still. 
I take it that's from Stephanie. That'll preach. I mean, that's the application. When the storm comes, what is your foundation? Oh, I pray that when that kind of storm comes in my life, I'll put my hope in Jesus, the anchor. There's a lot of uh, philosophies and ideologies. There's a lot of self-help. There's a lot of life hacks. I'm, I'm begging you to put your foundation on the words and the truth and the wisdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You won't be sorry. You won't. I want to thank you for coming to church. Oh, it's so good to see you. I want to thank you for for engaging online with church. More than watching church, more than coming to church, my challenge to you, as you know, is to go. Be the church. Live this out. You sure are love, people.